Hey everybody, my name is Jonathan Betzler. Welcome to the No Name Cinema Society. You might notice that we're missing our graphics. Um, we are a little late because uh, we are missing all graphics. The graphics tool on Google Hangouts is no longer with us. It is uh, RIP, is uh, what we have to say to that. And uh, so we don't have our lower thirds, we don't have any photos. We've got a lot prepared, but we will not be able to use them tonight. So it's going to be a very unusual show. We talked about canceling. It it's been a little crazy um, the last you know, 45 minutes or so. Um, so, but we're going to power through and uh, we're here to talk about Live By Night. This is the 38th meeting of the No Name Cinema Society and the first without photos. Um, so you're just going to have to look at our dumb faces. But the good news is I've got my new Pirates hat on. This is a brand new hat. So a second consecutive de debut of a hat on the uh, on the show. And I'm back in Astoria, one of the most popular uh, locations when I'm in New York. Um, this is Story Apartment, where we did episodes 21 and 22 uh, uh, last year. Um, so I don't know how tonight's going to go. Um, I, I feel bad for you having to look at our faces. Speaking of faces, I've got a couple other faces to introduce you to. Uh, first, um, uh, he very uh, very generously offered to treat me to a liquid lunch today. Um, Drunk Davey, uh, did, you, did you enjoy drinking by yourself? That's how it usually goes, man. <laughs> um, how, are you? How do you feel about uh, the lack of graphics on tonight's show? It's uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. Yeah. But uh, you know, we'll get through it. Uh, speaking of graphics, the maker of all our graphics, uh, he's probably devastated at this time. Uh, Jay Money, hey. our, our other man here. How are you feeling today? Uh, I, I solved our graphics problem. You did. Look at this. Uh. <laughs> That's what we're talking about today. On the fly, he comes up with that. That's that's pretty right. exciting. And we're going to have a very truncated discussion of Live By Night. We're gonna, it might be our shortest show ever. Um, we're going to start talking about Live By Night. Our indie spotlight is 50-50 from 2011, our, our, our classic. Normally, is where we have a graphic with our whole schedule. Um, our classic is Coal Miner's Daughter at 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific. And then we have a, a lengthy-ish sound off um, to close out the evening, our freeform segment. I'm going to have a top five. Musical biopics. Um, we're going to revisit a film from 1990, um, and we're going to talk about some of the events around town. Davy's got a diatribe, um, and and that's and that, and that that'll be uh, starting at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific. You guys ready for me to summarize? Yep, hit it. Yeah, man. And everyone has to watch me during the summary, so I feel bad. Um, and um, uh, you know, and and uh, I don't care if you're ready or not. I'm going to go forward. Um, all right, so Joe in Live By Night, when he comes back to Boston uh, from World War I, instead of becoming a cop like his father, he becomes a small-time gangster who has the unfortunate luck falling for the girl who belongs to the big boss. When the boss exacts his revenge, Joe runs to the enemy and is sent down to oversee the enemy's rum holdings in Florida, where Joe's success builds him a small empire of his own. Um, and I just want to, well, I just to make a point that uh, the unique thing about tonight is uh, this film opened in theaters nationally this past weekend, but I saw an advanced screening in July. Um, you know, a, a note, a screen where we give notes and everything. Uh, so um, it, it'd be interesting to see how different our perspectives is, because it's very possible that the film has changed since I've uh, since I've seen it. Uh, who gets to go first for opening thoughts? It looks like it's our boy Jay Money. Take it hey. away, Jay. So I, I'm going to assume that they didn't take any of your notes because this was terrible. Just got off. Davy Joe? I think it was uh, over-ambitious and unfocused. 
That's uh, worth. Well, let me uh, first. I want to say, uh, Gone Baby Gone was my favorite movie of two thousand seven. Number one movie of two thousand seven. I also love the author Dennis Lehane. Uh, Drink for the war. This is a good book. I've read the book. Um, uh, and the guys that I went with about it. It's, it's a masterpiece of a book, but is it is an entirely unwatchable movie. Um, mostly due to sprawl. Like, this is one of the worst movies that I saw in July, and I assumed that they were going to cut it down, but it does not sound like uh, that's the case. Or they, they ignored my notes completely, um, which, you know, no one should ever do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you could have saved the entire um, movie. You had, the, if they had that, just listened to you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I do think there's a good movie in there somewhere, but so and let, let's start with the I think the chief offender and that's the screenplay and it's funny uh, Davey you, you might have did you see my notes because I also use the word unfocused yeah no I didn't um, but I mean it's 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 pretty it's pretty glaring uh, it, it's just there are a lot of good ideas in there and I, and I think that uh, you could have made a movie out of, out of a lot of a lot of the specific ideas it's just that, trying to get you, it all now you more. definitely stole my notes because I feel like I just said that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean that's 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 basically uh that's basically the problem. No. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, I mean, it, it, Jay Money, you just said terrible, but I mean, like, do you agree that this is the reason why? Yeah, I would say that primarily the sprawl, the lack of focus. I mean, there were like five different movies that tried to shoehorn together, basically, in this one movie. Um, there were probably other things you could and, criticize. And you can imagine, but sorry, say that again. And I think there are other things we can criticize. I think that there's a, a variety of performance uh, skills there that we saw, but overall, yes, the screenplay. Overall, yes is probably the biggest issue. I can skip to the performances next after we finish screenplay, but I do want to I do want to say that there there's a huge thing that what do I always hate and this movie was yes. chock full yes. of. Yes. Tell them the voiceover. Voiceover! voiceover. Ah! And this was a terrible oh! I mean I thought I I I mean like I swear to god I wrote down in huge letters <laughs> the voiceover unnecessary, yeah. uh, band-aid, utter nonsense. And they had six months to fix this movie. I don't understand uh, why they didn't. I mean, I knew how it should start. It should start right in the hospital bed. Like, you know, like I like the shot where he's sort of dialing into the hospital bed. The voiceover says it all started with, uh, something like it all started with a, uh, I don't remember, it all started with a, a, a robbery or something, whatever the voiceover said. It all started with an inside man. Also the inside man. That's exactly it. Sorry, it's been six six months. Give me a break. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, um, it all started with the inside man. And I mean, like, lose that. Just the simple, you know, the image of the guy in the hospital is intriguing enough. Simple dolly into that. I, th I feel like that would, and skip the stupid prologue with the war and all that nonsense. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, so Jim Money wants to skip ahead and talk about performances. Um, I've got actually a list of good performances and bad performances. Um, and, and one of the things we talk about when we talk about performances is if they're all good, it's usually due to a good director. Uh, but if they're as mixed as they are, what does that suggest? Like, I, I don't mean to give you a pop quiz or anything. <laughs> a bad director. Well, yeah, certainly when it comes to performances. And I mean, you know, like he's obviously directed good performances in the past. He just had a, he had, this is not his best one. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, so I've got a list of good performances and bad performances. I mean, like, and in some cases, just underused actors. Um, do you guys want to start with the bad or the good? Start with the bad. Start with the bad. Okay. Do you guys have thoughts on the bad? We'll see if it matches mine. 
Um, you know, I, <laughs> I mean, maybe I should just start with the good because now I'm trying to focus in. Let, I, let's just unpack the, the big bird in the, in the room here. You know, Ben Affleck. How do you feel like he translated? I personally, he didn't. He didn't work for me, but he was trying hard. He really was trying hard to, to do uh, something. You didn't feel his internal his internal conflict the way you would uh, Michael Corleone. He might as well have been playing Batman. And in, in your in your promotion, uh, you sort of joked ab about that, uh, well, Jim Money. And it was it was a half truth because I honestly feel like maybe this is Batman fatigue that we're looking at. Maybe he hadn't really shaken that idea off yet because there was a lot of him sort of like you know playing a burdened, you know, almost kind of a sacrificial character. There's a lot of the same sort of like mouth stuff he was doing. There's a lot of like the same sort of growling and kind of like, well, you know. I mean, he's never been like a truly. Uh, nice person. Uh, you heard it first. I was going to say, gonna say like good act. I mean, he's never been like, no one's ever going to confuse him with De Niro. Like, I, you know, like he's gotten some good notice. Like anytime he's halfway decent, there's like, the reviews tend to be like somewhat surprised. Like, oh, Affleck's not bad. But I mean, like. <laughs> I think it's, I mean, like, he's not, he doesn't have the depth that, he's never shown the depth that his brother tends to present um, in performance after performance, including Gone Baby Gone, uh, sure. quite frankly. Um, so, yeah, Ben Affleck was the top of my, my list of bad performances. Uh, Davey, do you have a bad performance? Uh, well, I, first of all, I didn't, I didn't actually have a problem with Affleck, uh, his performance. Uh, I thought that the first Girlfriends was not particularly good. Oh, she's the top of my list of my good performances. Sienna Miller, I thought was like, saved the, she was the most interesting performance. I feel like she steals all her scenes. I feel like she rises above the script. Um, uh, and, and with that said, she had a great last scene. She just didn't need the scene. Like, I, I don't know why it was in the movie. Ooh. I I actually hate everything about that scene. Um, I mean, I, I don't like this. I mean, I don't think the scene belongs. To, I think Affleck's pretty bad in it. But I mean, I think that she's performs well like you know like I, I believe her character i just don't understand the 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 writing in the scene the dialogue or or it's why it's in the movie yeah um so, and i also i hate the way it's shot yeah no i for sure oh robert richardson cinematography is another issue altogether i mean like <laughs> you know at one point he was original and interesting all his overhead lighting that he does um, but now I'm I'm sort of done with him, you know, like because it's all the same, like you know whether it's a few good men or uh, Kill Bill or Casino, you know, like they all sort of look the same to me at this point. With and, and this overhead scheme that he does, I mean, like it's nice to have a style, but it should change from movie to movie, and as the movies change, you know, like I, I don't I don't feel comfortable about uh, about you know this the this thing, especially as a cinematographer, where you you should be adapting your style and the lighting to the the nature of the piece. Um, I, I, I digress. Um, here's some more uh, bad performances. Uh, what I thought were struggling performances. Billy Chris Messina is was pretty weak. I've seen him on. Uh, I met him a couple times. Seen him on stage. I never. I feel like he. You know, he he's always like on the cusp of, of breaking out, but he always seems to be scratching the surface of these characters. Never really getting underneath anybody. Um, and Chris Cooper and Zoe Saldana. I don't think they're very good, but I actually think their characters were underutilized and underwritten. And I, I'm not sure it's entirely their fault. Um, they, they they just didn't have much to do, as, as our timer is already up. Um, so, how do you guys feel about uh, about those performances, real quick? Yeah, um, I, I agree. Well, to me, Zoe Saldana felt really off in this movie. But I, you know, it's I guess to your point, we have to separate between the script and, and the actual performances themselves. She was her usual effusive self. It just didn't seem like it, it gelled with everything else that was happening, and it, it felt kind of flat to me. 
Chris Cooper had a, I think he, he wasn't used as much, but he had a lot to work with in terms of what he could have brought to it. In the end, he felt kind of like tired as opposed to tortured. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of a big difference. I, I, I agree. Think that. You have to talk about Dakota Fanning and that concerns me because honestly, I did not like her performance at all. Yeah. So I want to hear what your your thoughts about it's that one. L, it's L Fanning, but um, L Fanning, yeah, um, I actually had her on the on the good list. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I I mean I liked her. I mean it's the most complex character in the whole movie, I think, um, and I think she navigated it pretty beautifully. With that said, I feel like the storyline is one of the ones that could have gone. Like I, you know, like I feel like it's a sidetrack for the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a, so, I mean maybe because is it possible that's what you're reacting to? Because I mean, like, I bought like that scene of the two in the diner. Like, I feel like she's great in that scene. Uh, it's another one of those scenes. I'm like, I don't really need this in the movie. That scene in and of itself was the best scene uh, for her and her, her abilities. Uh, you know, the rest of the time, though, I, I guess I felt like she was. I don't want to say she was contrived, but it, it just seemed like she felt uncomfortable in position. Uh, it, there were times when she was. Like for instance, all the preacher scenes to me felt really awkward, and I, I really chalked it up to her more than anything else. And I don't think it was because her character was awkward. I think it was just the performance felt really awkward. I, I didn't, I didn't feel that. But uh, J Davy Joe, break the tie. Uh, no, I, I thought she was. I thought she was good. I, I, it's just, it's just, you know, it's a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, and this is where we put up a Davy scale, but no, <laughs> can't do it. Um, so. Uh, the other thing, uh, I did want to bring up one final performance, and uh, and that's because it's an old buddy. I don't know. I mean, only only uh, Davy Joe, uh, no, sorry, only Jay Money has seen Homecoming. Um, oh, ah. Jay Money went away. Are you there, Jay Money? I'm still here. Can you not see uh, me? We, I can't see you. Davy, can you see him? I can. I can see him. Oh, I can see him again. Only, only Jay Money has seen Homecoming, but I don't know if you recognize uh, Matt Mayer from Homecoming. He was also in I'm Still There. He plays uh, Chris Cooper's cousin that uh, that creates all sorts of, uh, of, of oh, wow. issues. Um, so he he was one of the office guys in Homecoming, if you remember Jay Money. Yeah, now you point it out. I mean, he's he's a memorable guy, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. Um, he's uh, he uh, he's a it's a two dimensional character. He's just a quirky bigot, but I mean, I do feel like. I mean, maybe I'm biased, but I mean, like, I feel like I'm harder on the people that I know, like, if I see them performing, like, because I know them, if I could, I'm more attuned if they're playing themselves or what have you. I feel like he really got, you know, really executed this character in a really interesting way. Uh, I think he did a great job. Um, and that his performance, even though smaller than some of the other ones that we talked about, and he's not a star, but I think he really uh, acquitted himself well. Yeah, you know, I, I also felt that way. Like, I, I think when he was playing... A character as opposed to like having to give a, a, like some sort of speech uh, as he does at certain points like the scene where he is in the diner with uh, Ben Affleck and, and Chris Cooper He's great. I thought he brought a lot to the table on that one actually it's, a, it's such a small part and it was such a quite, a, quite a, literally a, the table but yeah and, uh, honestly like, honestly if if he was like the main bad guy in the movie uh, the movie would be much much better like if it was just the story about fighting him and his people that would have been cool. Uh, it's really, Dave, speaking of Robert Richardson lighting, you're, 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 uh, you've got this moody blue thing going on uh, over there. It's like, uh, you know, you know I, the Car Carolina games on the TV and it, maybe it's reflecting the blue on me. I don't know. <laughs> you a Hurricanes fan. Um, Who's sitting there killing us. So uh, anyway. Oh, you mean the UNC? <laughs> UNC, uh, I, I was presenting hockey. Yes, they are. Of course they're killing you. They're ranked ninth in the nation. Um, all right. 
So we're, we've stopped talking about live by night. We might as well close. close Wait, I, do, I do have one other. I just want to bring oh. up one thing quickly because I mean, you know, JB yeah. you and I talked about this really briefly on Sunday when we hung out a bit. We talked about how like movies in general can become, you know, kind of a mess because there are so many cooks in the kitchen. Do you feel like this movie could have been made very well considering the screenplay it was, or do you or do you feel like it was really the screenplay ultimately that sunk it? Yeah, in the in the sense that the screenplay is the first step, and I mean, like, and this and the story structure was the main issue. So yes, I mean, I do feel like, uh, I mean, I do feel like Ben Affleck is an Oscar-winning filmmaker now, and this is his first film since Argo, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, as a director. And I feel like this is he's in the Apatow, uh, Tarantino position in that he just does what he's going to do what he wants, uh, and and. Uh, and no one's there to tell them no. And I'm going to say one more thing. And uh, look, nobody likes studio involvement, but I will say one thing on their behalf um, uh, is that in in between Argo, when Ar when Ar when Ben Affleck's director is in all his movies with Warner Brothers, um, and he had a good relationship with the guy that ran Warner Brothers, uh, this guy named Jeff Robinoff. Um, Jeff Robinoff was ousted after Argo, like 2013, 2014, and this guy uh, Kevin Tashira came in. Um, and Jeff Rubinoff went off to form his own, you know, starting his own production company and those other things. And there was, there was all like, there was a great fear within Warner Brothers that, that uh, Affleck was going to jump ship and not do Warner Brothers movies anymore. So there's this, there's this feeling I have that he had complete, you know, he had a lot of rope with which to hang himself on this one because they're so sensitive to losing the great Affleck. Um, uh, I mean, like, I'm reading into a lot of things here, but I mean, like, you know, the deal to keep him at Warner Brothers was he gets to play Batman, he gets to direct one of the Batman movies, plus he uh, uh, gets to do this Live By Night movie. And so, there, you know, his studio notes might have been non-existent, I think. Um, it's a theory, but, you know, certainly I had notes, and he did not pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let that, that be a lesson, though. Yeah, right? Does that, yeah. that mayor should have told him that I give good notes. Um, so, uh-oh, uh what's this? Oh, look at this! That's right! Look, and your timing's good. All right, so that's coming up next. 50-50 is our indie spotlight coming up next. Coal Miner's Daughter's coming up at 9. We're already past 8.30, so let's let's pretend that says, like, 8.39. Um, so um, say hi to our viewers, everybody. Hi, viewers. Hi. Hi, viewers. Sorry. Um, and if, yeah, sorry we're late, and we're gonna, but we're gonna get started right away on Fifty Fifty um, from two thousand eleven as our indie spotlight. And feel free to text us or tweet us, um, and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll, you know, in, engage with you guys during our photoless show, um, graphicless. Uh, all right, so that's it for Live by Night. See you guys momentarily. Fifty Fifty coming up next.